All right, we are rolling now. Counting us down. Three, two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hello there. Welcome back to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. And if this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be movies, music, television, books, spoken word, experiences, things that have built us up as people in hopes that it will build you up. We are the retrospective that is introspective. Blow my mind. I kind of wish I took the blue pill. Oh, it's too late, baby. Too late. late. About to get red pilled. That means it means something very different now. It does. Gross. Um, (laughs) I'm just going to turn from that. And uh, hey, uh, today we're joined by good friend Connor Fitzgerald. Uh, You might know Connor from the Ride or Dice podcast and also my friendship. Yeah, it's me. I also draw pictures online. Yes. That's a thing. Where, where can people find those pictures? Well, folks, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Token Studios with two Ks. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I'm doing that right now. Heck yes, And buddy. I'm going to encourage the rest of you to do the same. Oh, thank you. If everybody. I can unlock my phone. Please do. It's I'll hard. Be over, vamp, use, I'll be over here doing face. that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> use your face to get your phone open. Right. That's the future we live in. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that terrifying? It is. Um, it is. So, yes, we are talking about the 1999 revolutionary film, The Matrix, Mm. created by the Wachowski siblings. Uh, I think officially Wachowski sisters now? Yes. Yes. Officially Um, now. Yes. Uh, And it is starring Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, Lawrence Fishburne, Hugo Weaving. Guys, this movie changed movies going forward. For decades to come. Oh yes, it's it's weird. Like it sounds like such a big hyperbolic thing to say, but it's all it's almost impossible to overstate how impactful this movie was, right? And it came out. We're now talking about it ten years on, right? Like the movie is ten years old this year. Twenty years. Twenty years. Twenty yeah. years. What year is this? It is twenty 19, years. Er, Two thousand nineteen. Fuck, we're and, old. And, and yeah. yet, and yet. Still, I was like, yeah, it's been 10 years. But that, I, that's how relevant it is. Right. Is that 20 years after the point, it still feels like it's not recently come out, but it, it, it's right. still there. It's yeah. still relevant. Yeah. Yes. It's still every bit as effective as it was when it was released. And so, yeah, 20, two, two decades. Dose, dose decades. Dose uh, decades. But we're, there's a, so much conversation now this year, of course, because it's the 20-year anniversary of not just The Matrix, but of 1999, which is uh, lauded as one of the, if not, some people say, the greatest year for movies ever. So there's been a lot of uh, Matrix chat in the zeitgeist. So we figured, why don't we jump on that bandwagon? Because we are nothing if not followers. (laughs) And and amen. (laughs) (laughs) We we are the people in the pods that they're using uh, as batteries. Yes. Uh, Connor... Uh, you brought this in for us. Pitch it to us, baby. Let us know. Well, let me tell... No, okay. No saying <laughs> But no. here's, here's the... No, no, really no, no, no. drop the beat. <laughs> here's the thing. So, not only, as we stated, is it quite a revolutionary movie in and of itself, it changed the way a lot of the action genre presented itself moving forward after the millennium, but also it has... Uh, I mean, the, the references still proceed into a lot of media coming out today i saw someone do a neo cosplay of he had wires attaching himself up and he was bent over oh that's awesome and that happened this year and in addition to that 
The reason I brought it up is because it, a lot of people, when you ask them, oh, what's your favorite movie? It's like, well, I have to think about it. Because that's fair. There's so many movies, many different things attracted to them. I can confidently say that this movie is my favorite movie of all time, unequivocally. There's nothing else that hits exactly there. Obviously, things float around and come close. But this movie, oh, you should watch this movie because not only is it revolutionary to movies, but it it is one of the best examples of storytelling that I can imagine. I, I was having to say, I watched it again the other night in preparation for this show, and I was blown away again as I almost always am because it's a movie that I revisit every couple of years yeah um a obviously how insanely well it holds up but also the fact that it is a an absolutely perfect version of itself and it is so they are so adept at telling their story the way they want to tell it that they're able to take all of the the conventional wisdom about writing a story for the screen take a look at it and go nah fuck that throw it out the window I was at the hour mark and I like I hit the display thing so I could see how far I was into the movie. They're at the hour mark and a hair over the hour mark, and they are still explaining shit and setting their world up. Like, yeah. we're still getting exposition at the hour mark. That's the entire first almost half of this movie. <laughs> that shouldn't work. Right. That should be that should be it. That should be the end of the fucking movie right there. Like, you've essentially blown a crater in your entire story, oh, and yeah. yet the thing functions so preposterously well that you don't even catch that an hour into the movie you're still being fed exposition and barely anything has actually happened yet well i mean but getting to that point and we'll talk about like all the plot relevant stuff like there is so much that does happen like you especially like in the matrix world there's it's almost like three different pieces where there is the um the mystery section where it's like what is the matrix and then you you find out and then there's the integration period where you're learning about the new world like your platform has been dismantled and then from there you take that platform and it is how do we move forward and that's where we start working with the team to i guess at this point it's getting uh morpheus back because they've been betrayed um but like also the story itself is so filled with philosophy and uh well religious allegory and all that stuff like it's such layered storytelling that helps keep you engaged and just like even if you were to take the sequence where or morpheus is talking about how they ended up where they are and just the visual spectacle of that I think is just a masterclass in storytelling and exposition. Right. And that's why you can make it a full hour just sort of riding that out, right? Like exactly what you're describing. I feel like most movies, uh, they give you as much as they can in the first like 15 to 20 minutes. And then I feel like most other movies would start, would essentially start when the whole team uh, goes into the matrix together at about the hour and a half mark. And it's insane to me that, yeah, we get this full hour and it's just, here's all this really interesting, heady, philosophical stuff. And it's not till, you know, X point in the movie where it's like, all right, here's all your fucking plot now. Now we can just fucking go. You best know how all this shit works by now. So now everybody, <laughs> we're running the walls. Now everybody's dying. And now like, you know what Hugo Weaving's talking about when he's like, uh, you're the virus and shit like that. Like in all <laughs> that scene. And like, we don't, we now don't have to stop and explain any of this now because we got all of this information across in the first hour wall like you're saying we also get all this allegory and these references to world religions world philosophy and also a pretty heavy and pointed uh critique of 
capitalism and what capitalism is doing to us as a civilization also. Right. Yeah. Um, and, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say in this going forward, cause um, I do want to obviously focus on this one movie because the other two is don't a exist. Much longer debate of whether they exist or not. And I'll, <laughs> whether I'll, they exist I'll, or not. I'll be that guy that actually thinks the, the whole lore movies, the matrix online game. I'm obsessed. Like all of it together. I actually think it's very fascinating. I'm only going to try and talk about the first Matrix movie contained in and of itself. Right. Yeah. And it does function perfectly well as it a does. closed story. Yeah. And and the other thing I'm going to present now, and, and we can feel free to explore this more or not later as we get into it, but yeah. a, the, the final reason I bring this movie up, my favorite part about this movie, is that it is the only action movie I have ever seen in my life where every single fight scene had a purpose, a narrative purpose, a character developing purpose. It was... Not superfluous, right? At all, and that amazes me so much. Oh yeah, it's just brilliant. Yeah, no the the Wachowskis know how to pace their their fights or like their action and their um, character development so well that they integrate in because a lot of it is is chase are, are chases or they are done with intent. Right, you know, like you're either you're either trying to get away or you're trying to get someone. You know, um, and I think that that is, as you were saying, like super well done that you're never just like, all right, let's let's move let's forward. Do the, let's, yeah. yeah. But what's great, too, is that even all those chases, they're all set up to establish who's in control, who has power and what you're supposed to be afraid of as an audience member, which obviously any storyteller is going to try and get that across as best they can. But to have it, I mean, just the first 15 minutes of that movie or mm-hmm. even just the first scene with Trinity getting chased by the agents, you learn so much of she's stronger than humans. Yep. They're stronger than her. And, and that's terrifying. Right. Well, and you're also able to, some of the people who are in this world that looks like our world, we don't know, you know, if you haven't seen trailers for the movie, if you walked in blind, uh, if in 2019, somehow you don't know anything <laughs> about what the matrix is, right. which would be really fun. I would think to watch the matrix with somebody who has managed to avoid any knowledge oh, of the yeah. matrix whatsoever, but you're learning that within this world. Yeah. So, uh, Trinity's stronger than humans, this agent that's pursuing her is stronger than she is, but also these, at the very least, these two people are able to essentially defy all known laws of physics and right. do these crazy leaps and whatnot. And we know that this shit ain't normal even in this world based on the reactions of, say, like the other police officers who are like, what the fuck is going on? So, like, yeah, we're getting, uh, uh, like, you're, the what you're saying is, like, essentially exposition through action. Through action, yes. Which is tough. It is tough. And it's done throughout the entire movie, and it just always impresses me. Yeah, I think this is a really good time to drop down that sweet, sweet spoiler wall. Again, mm-hmm. if you're the one person in 2019 who knows nothing about The Matrix. Also, write me. I will watch <laughs> it with you. <laughs> I mean, I think that that would be a, a crazy experiment because like, it's it's one of those movies where uh, like Lex Michael makes me watch, not makes me, um, has... <laughs> I'm already I'm ready to take issue with whatever you're about to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, Lex introduces me to a lot of older cinema and uh, classic cinema, if wow. you will. Makes um, you. And so you're welcome, bitch. <laughs> you have a gun, Lex. I see it right there. <laughs> it's but he's chained to the he's chained to the thing, so he can't use it. I know. Um, it's all ba- <laughs> these are my chains. That's it. This it's is all, a, it's I'm all bringing this folks. old yes. bit back. Production value <laughs> shit. <laughs> um. But like it, you have to realize that people who are twenty now 
were born the year that it was created, so they may not have been exposed to it. Well, like what's um, what's blown my mind, like it, like for for example, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just came out, and that deals heavily with Sharon Tate and the Manson family and and the events of that night. After that movie came out, like I'm discovering how many people, it's a lot of people just had no knowledge of any of that. And it's kind of blowing my mind because I guess I sort of took for granted that that was just something people knew. Um, so I'm, I'm like discovering all kinds of fun, uh, arguable blind spots in people's cultural knowledge. There's gotta be one person, at least one person out there who's like in their thirties, who is somehow never like in their thirties living in the United States, who has somehow never really encountered this maybe they saw like one of the shorts in the animatrix and didn't understand it and so like, right. and that's it that's all they know <laughs> and they're like wait there's a whole movie and i'm like fuck yes let's watch it and shit yeah <laughs> i mean yeah but it's but it's not an uh, it's not impossible it is not um, impossible so- <laughs> or depossible right but yeah. uh but back to the my previous point is that like um in the same way that when lex has me watch different like classical cinema I am experiencing uh, these things that are very commonplace narratively um, that it's their first time ever happening. And then everything I've watched from that point is essentially cribbing from those things. Right. And so I imagine like anyone going back and watching it for the first time now are like, oh, I've seen that. I've seen so many aspects of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like bullet time or just the the idea of the the full 360 rotation in fight scenes or in just general. And they'll be like, oh, they're doing that thing that everyone knows. And they would take it for granted. Right. Well, it's it's like finding out, uh, like, uh, be afraid, be very afraid comes from the fly and shit. And, like, when you finally make that connection, it's like, I don't know about you, but when I have moments like that, I feel in that moment so much smarter and more enlightened the irony of course being that i didn't know the fucking thing right i get what you mean though yeah it's like oh oh of course yes this is where it all started (laughs) i've heard it a million times i have secret knowledge that i can share with others who surely (laughs) like me did not know this thing (laughs) um so from this point on uh we are going to be talking spoilers we're going to be diving real deep into all the influences and and uh, different aspects of said philosophy that we've mentioned. So this is a good point to jump off if you haven't seen it. Um, while you're doing so, make sure that you uh, go on to iTunes or Spotify or Google Play Store. Um, hit them stars, rate us, uh, leave a review just to get us at the top of them sweet, sweet charts um, so other people can find us because, as we've said before, the greatest form of marketing is a word of mouth. Uh, so... Tell your friends. Make sure that they know uh, what they're missing out on, which is the show. Um, all right. So I've given you an, a good opportunity to reach for your dial um, or your phone because no one has dials anymore. No one anymore, has dials anymore. Uh, which is crazy. Yeah. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some stuff with which dials that, on it. You could. If you if you hooked your phone up to like your car stereo, there you, you go. could volume down. You have a dial. I down. have a dial in my... Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I, I don't have Bluetooth in there. It's Come not on. entirely anachronistic okay, yet. All right. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. So uh, you have a chance to hit the buttons or reach, turn the dials, all the things. Tap that screen, um, baby. Ooh, yeah. Because yeah. the spoilers start in three, uh, two, one. It's spoiler time, baby. Neo's my dad. Oh, Ooh. no. It's, it's <laughs> not right. true. No, that's right. You <laughs> as soon as it. they credit us, what he did, he flies off into the air and goes to conceive a child and yeah. shit. Yeah, and it's me. <laughs> it shows my actual birthing video. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like, what is this after credits? <laughs> it's me, guys. It's me. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I was a big fan. I was like, you know what? It's a real avant-garde, but I'll, 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 I'll take it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I was... Yeah. Should they, this bit die? No. They, I'm I always it appreciate going. seeing a C-section happen <laughs> from the outside because right. I obviously didn't understand what was going on when I was born. No, so right. like clearly was, the nice. last the last ten minutes of Enter the Void are nothing if not an explicit oh homage to uh, exactly the sequence in the Matrix that you're describing. Right, which was my birth. Right. right yes. Of course. Even though I was also well, yeah, no, it makes sense. I was born before that. Yeah. They took it. Right, exactly. I, we gave it to them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, not it's not thievery, it's homage. Exactly. Right. It gives new meaning to a making of <laughs> segment. You oh, get it. I get yeah, it. you get it. Yeah. yeah. You want some of this Lex yeah, Michael? Oh, yeah. 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 I just want yeah. you to feel better about about your day so you could have a high five for Thank that. You. Sure. That's very considerate. <laughs> That's very considerate. Um, so I really want to talk about how uh the Matrix is for me, the first live action anime I've ever seen. Yes, also a great point. Yes, um, it is heavily inspired by Ghost in the Shell, uh, as the Wachowskis will tell you. Anytime you ask them, they'll be like, "Yeah, we watch that. We love." <laughs> uh, uh, if you watch old um, making of or behind the scenes document, they're like, well, "We really liked uh, Japanime, um, which is well. great." <laughs> um, yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That's that was you know. <laughs> late 90s um but yeah so and and i feel like the way that the storytelling is done um is very reminiscent to how the structure of an anime would be um you have your main it's it's almost like a reverse isekai um where <laughs> instead of someone in the real world going into a uh, a virtual fantasy world it's someone who's lived in a virtual fantasy world realizing that there's a real world. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Ooh, baby. Oh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and hijinks ensue. Heck yeah. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, Connor, I know you're a big anime fan. My gosh, yes. Um, were you a fan before this movie? Uh, mildly. I Growing up, uh, as, as any young black man will tell you, I watched Dragon Ball Z. Of course. Um, yes. I dabbled in a bit of Sailor Moon, Pokemon, of course. Yes. We can all agree upon we've been there. Right. Um, yeah. But it, I think it wasn't until I was... And I did admittedly... Not admittedly. I was like nine when this came out. But I, I saw The Matrix the first time when I was 14, I think. By then, I was just maybe that's why it resonated extra with me but i was just starting to get into my full anime upbringing yeah. was around this age was around this time so it was very very well timed for me to see it okay yeah. how did you find it were you was it just like uh you saw a commercial and were like hell yeah keanu reeves <laughs> um or did you have to go I out wish. of your way to find it no i was stupid uh, listen <laughs> up here i first off when i was growing up i mean honestly even through middle school i just like so much stuff scared me and that's like a whole we don't need to get into my upbringing but oh, like we can dude. we can if we want there, there's actually no. one sp scene specifically that i saw when i was nine or ten of the matrix when um neo jumps into agent smith yeah and you see those the, the code ripple up his head. Yeah. I had nightmares for years. Oh, shit. Oh, man. So when I went back to it, I was like, I don't know if I could do this. What if Keanu Reeves jumps inside me? Right. <laughs> now I wish that would happen. Right. When I was younger, I was like, please, no. My parents actually got me into it. This is one of their favorite movies, too. Oh, nice. And they were waiting, waiting for me to be willing to accept that as something that I wanted to see. And I think it was, if not on, but around my 14th birthday when they're like, hey, 
you want to try the matrix again? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm a tough boy. I can do it. And like, we finally did it. And I was so obsessed with it. Yeah. It was insane. So yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I was the only nerd person in my household. So I had to like go out of my way to be like, well, what's, what's the matrix? <laughs> oh boy. I saw something on, on, uh, when I rented something from blockbuster that oh, said yeah. oh, this was coming. <laughs> Um, it, yeah. So, uh, I had to gorilla find this movie. Yeah. I don't remember the first time I saw it at all. My guess would be, I caught it on cable at Mm. some point, like within a year and a half of its release. I know that I saw matrix reloaded in the theater. So I was already familiar enough with it by that time, but I don't remember somebody I knew must've seen it. And we're scrolling through channels and they'd be like, oh, this movie's awesome. I'm like, what is this? Computers, yeah. boring. Um, <laughs> but then I was like, computers and, and guns and kung fu, less boring. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, look at how green everything is and shit. Um, but yeah, I don't really remember a time before The Matrix yeah. for me. <laughs> Which is fair. There Was there a time? It's According a, to the world of The Matrix, there was not. That's well, true. there was, but... I mean, but... We don't talk about we those talk. dark times. Yeah, <laughs> dark times. Um, I don't. I. I. I know that people love this movie. I don't know if it was if I was just out of tune or um, or what, but it didn't feel like there was a lot of like clamor for. Like I didn't think I was sitting around a classroom and people were like, "Yo, you seen that Matrix?" Oh yeah, there was Hell no yeah. hype. Because I don't think any of my friends had really seen I know a couple of my friends watched it their first time when I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I, now looking back, I think the first time I saw it, they, my um, biology or natural sciences teacher showed it to us in class. And I was like, what the fuck is this? This is unnatural science. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is part of the curriculum, sir. Um, but like it it almost like changed my concept of what movies could do. Yeah. Which I think it did for most people, but I don't necessarily feel like it was like, I wish that I had seen it in a theater and had my mind blown oh, me too. in that environment, you me know, too. Um, which like now people do like retro uh, viewings and stuff like I that. Feel especially cause we live in LA. If we wait long enough oh, it's and probably not there. that long, like we'll be able to go see like a 35 millimeter print of matrix somewhere. Oh, right. Gosh. Yeah. Um, which, Oh man, I want, yeah. Hey guys. Hey, Hey, hey. Uh, come here. Come here. Sit, get close. Hey. Um, I just wanted to say that if you're out there and you're listening to this and you do sweet, sweet events where you show movies in a public space. Um, Hey, uh, let us know. You can do so at Missing Outcast, M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. If that was too fast, it's Missing Outcast. Uh, hey, just uh, just let us know you're doing it. We'll show up. We'll even tweet about it and stuff. We'll promote, bro. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be there. Just tell us. Just tell us, hey, please. Throw right. a rock through my window if that's the only form yeah. of communication yeah, you have. I mean, tie a note to it so yeah. I know why you threw the rock. Right. I will I will now assume any rock thrown through my window. I will be like, it's it's live. I'll be texting you guys like, guys, guys, come on, this weekend. Connor, I think someone hates you. No, that can't be it. That can't it must be, be it. the Matrix. It's impossible. Um, but yeah, it's... I know but part of it, obviously, is just with, with the way the internet has grown now, I'm almost accustomed to just, if something's coming out, I can find a group who will hype it. Right. Yeah. But I know that my parents were telling me that when they first saw, I think my mom saw a billboard for it and was like, I don't know what that shit is, but I want to see it. Yep. And 
just from that, her and my uncles were so hype, and then they saw the trailer and they were like mega hype. Yeah, but you know, it, it, it. I don't know. They told their circle of friends, and that was like that was it. And they went and saw it, and they were like, "This is amazing." But, yeah. yeah, it's cool that your parents are sci-fi people. Oh, they're huge nerds. Though that's I mean, awesome. Yeah, because my mom and I watch anime together still. My dad Aww. and I will play video games and oh, that's talk really about cool. sci-fi. Yeah, so I, I come from a nerd family, so a lot of this is just like. That's just how people grow up, right? And it's like, See, and no. like I remember, I remember trying to teach my dad to play Super Mario sixty four. Oh my god! And him fumbling with the controller, being like, "Why do you do this? <laughs> this, this is painful to me. Why?" <laughs> um, but here's here's a thing that now that I'm an adult, um, my one issue with the Matrix, mm-hmm. um, the what? ethics of killing the agents right and that actually if before we get too far into this i would also like to state this is not a perfect movie oh anything i know i know anything that i love and then maybe it's just because i'm a sonic fan but i understand anything (laughs) i can love can also be trash yes i think this is subjectively just good or objectively mm, yeah it's objectively it's subjectively good i think it's amazing i even can acknowledge problems i have with it there's some stuff from like that's is dumb. <laughs> like what? I mean, just getting into it. Why would robots? There's better sources of energy. Okay, so, than humans. But back background. Um, the uh, the people were originally supposed to be a neuronet, so that's why they were harvesting people. But oh. the executives thought that people were too too stupid to understand. Well, that's like, fair. The, the internet was <laughs> was so new mm. that um, they didn't think that people would understand the idea of using human brains as a neural network in order to like increase the machine's CPU. That's so cool. Though. Yeah, I know it's yeah. a crazy Fuck. idea. It's weird to consider too. This came out in '99, so it would have been uh, written earlier than that, obviously, but produced largely in '98. Uh, and at that point, people were really just starting to have, you know, uh, at-home computers oh, that, yeah. that could connect. I remember 97, I think, was when we got a desktop computer in yeah. my house. Um, but also, too, you're talking about, all right, talking about moments like that, I had forgotten there was one moment like that that definitely stuck out to me, which is when they felt the need to explain to Neo what EMP is. Oh, yeah, that... That was very blatantly for anyone in the audience who, who doesn't know understand. EMP. Because it doesn't track for me that Neo, Neo. Uh, established as like this master hacker, would not would need electromagnetic pulse laid out for him right. that way. Though, maybe oh. the machines erased the idea of an Ooh. EMP. They're like, they're like, you can have this whole world, but not EMPs. Yeah, dumb bastards. <laughs> yeah, that's true, though. They wouldn't want people to know about oh, that yeah. shit. Exactly. Which, and before I get on another point, you did have a point about something where you're like, here's my problem with I mean, the Matrix. It's not a problem. It's just it like as in a like I think when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, fuck up them agents. Yeah, kill them dead. Um, but now as an adult, I'm like, those are people like you are because the agents don't have their own bodies. So they possess humans. And so like there I feel like now if it, like if the Matrix was, was written today, um, there would be a discussion in like, I don't know if I could kill agents like i'm trying to save people but, yeah but i can't but i'm also killing people because yeah because when you shoot down an agent you see them turn into who they were before exactly right. yeah so i think it, it gets real gray at that point when you, in retrospect realizing that and because also there's the scene where 
uh, Trinity and Neo essentially mow down a bunch of security guards um, who aren't agents. They're just Uh, like, I'm just doing my job. Well, so there's, I don't want to cut off your point. No, go ahead. But I do have, and I'm not just fishing for shit. I actually do have not an explanation for it, but they're, one of the things is that we have to have to consider that this is essentially war in that anyone who's part of the resistance is a guerrilla fighter. Right. And a lot of what I may have just, and this, this definitely is just me, but some of the way that Morpheus talks sounds like not war propaganda, but um, the way that uh, the higher ups in the military will kind of gear soldiers minds towards that concept of killing civilians. Yeah. He even says anyone who's part of the system should be considered an enemy. Now that's unfair because they were just saying like they want to free people, but in war there's only one way to you you have to right. give your soldiers a reason to be okay with doing that. Right. Otherwise then we're not going to like our heroes either because we're like but they're just killing innocent people. That other thing though is that I'm 98% sure that that office building that's in that last shootout is a machine installment. So while those security guards may be people, they know that they're working for not necessarily the machines, but like their entities like, oh, we just go after people and right. kill them. So they're they're like security guards at like a Amazon or something. It's like evil corporation. Yes. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Now, got it. That being said, don't look at me like that. They don't pay taxes, Lex. <laughs> I was just saying, you're going to get some weird tweets from people accusing you of inciting violence against Amazon yeah, security. Do not do that. <laughs> I'm just saying that they should pay taxes. They should treat their workers better. Right. Or they else. are not a great <laughs> company. I uh, heard they kidnapped Morpheus. <laughs> Do not go after Amazon, yeah, yeah. please. Morpheus was like, maybe they should start a union. <laughs> and they kidnapped him. <laughs> Lord Fishburne tweets, it's like, Right? <laughs> I got Twitter just to tag up on this. <laughs> but that does I, I don't want to I don't want to um completely not dis No. I'm not, I'm like, not saying you're you, cuz I get no, what you're saying it is kind of wrong if you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that a lot of that action was based on how the resistance fighters were trained to think even how Morpheus was trained to think just yeah. from the resistance in general. Right. It's like uh, the teacher. Have you seen Starship Troopers? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the uh, teacher played by Michael Ironside. The one who's like, hey, what's the difference between a civilian and a soldier or whatever the hell he says. Um, it's been a long time. I haven't. Uh, it's yeah. been a long time since I've seen it. <laughs> but um, that guy who is, it's not necessarily propaganda, but he's uh, he's preparing you for the cost of, of what it means to be a soldier. Right. Um, and that, like, it's your duty to do whatever it takes in order to accomplish your goal. Yeah. Like, I get it. I just think, I, I think that, like, by modern sensibilities, you're like, yo, let's have a conversation about oh, this. Oh, for sure. Um, but that's it. That's, like, my one issue. Yeah. Um, and that's only because I'm, I'm woke now. Guys, I'm I'm hella woke. I'm too woke for this movie. Oh shit! You know what I'm saying? Damn. Damn. You mega woke right now. Yeah, I fucking blue pilled hard. I blue pilled the most. Wait, no. (laughs) What? Wait, wait, wait. wait. Is the boot? It's the other way around. Is it? Isn't it? Well, if you take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland and you see how deep the rabbit hole goes. Oh, that's right. You you red red pilled pilled so hard. You don't want to be on the internet talking about being red pilled now. 
Also I'm, fair. I, I <laughs> red pilled, bro. Uh, like, you, you, you remember when Tari started saying cuck a lot? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my heart's a flutter though. That's cool. Um, oh boy. But yeah, getting back to the actual movie, it is. Um, yeah, I mean, it it is something to talk about. But that that's one of the reasons I really like it is because I forget that it is a movie about war. Yeah, I forget that theme about it a lot, even though it is presented often they mention the machine war they state it's still happening but in my brain i'm like but it's an action movie they're saving themselves i'm like they're they're also trying to tear down the establishment understandably Mm. but yeah yeah i mean it's not until the second and third movie which may or may not exist that you actually see um the like real world war like yeah. at this point you're still kind of in the espionage phase mm-hmm. you're still with the ground soldiers or sleeper so- cells who are trying to recruit to get people uh or enough people to actually have the war you know it's 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 pre when france um was building their their wall of garbage um, you know, you guys have seen Les Mis. Um, yeah, 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 garbage wall. There's just a the gar- big, I know the big garbage wall of, of <laughs> garbage and, and chairs. Um, and Javert is there. Are we still talking about the Matrix? <laughs> yeah, we're still talking about that's, um, that's what he does. Javert jumps off the garbage wall in that show. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, No, but I'm saying, like, it's it's before the big uh, flags are waved. Like, you, you have to imagine that. It, it, we don't get to the big garbage wall moment until um, we get the final declaration at the end of the movie from Neo, Neo being right. like, look, guys, it's it's now officially war. You know, before it was a resistance. And now we are a, a nation who is taken over, baby. Pow, pow, pow. Ka-chow, ka-chow, ka-chow. I'm the one. And he flies off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Verbatim. That's what happens. That is. He finger guns. He does. Yeah. He's flying through the air. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Rage against the machine but starts But because playing. he's the one, he's actually blowing up heads and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Birds are falling from the sky. That is canon. Yes. It's good. That's uh, in the same director's cut with my birthing video. So it's... And, 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 <laughs> and that's actually something that I... um, I guess if we want to uh, get to this topic that I am fascinated with so much is actually just Neo being the one period. Mm. Okay. Because there's this idea of a self-fulfilling prophecy in which the Oracle says, Oh, you're not the one now, but you will be. Mm -hmm. And she's leading him to get to the circumstance in which he understands that he's the one, which I love because the way that she says it is clear if you know what you're looking for, but also she is saying, no, you're not the one. Right. And her description of it too, I found so fascinating because she's like, oh, it's like being in love. I'm like, later watching it like my 10th or 12th time, I'm like, fuck yeah. Because like, <laughs> you you could you could be in love with someone and everyone's like, ah, dude, you're like, no, no, this is real. <laughs> and you do some dumb shit. Right. And that, and that even ties into when Neo first awakens his one abilities is when Trinity confesses his love for him. And it all ties together at that moment, which I think is really cool that we get to see how those two themes remain linked, not even just as an analogy, but they're, they're trying to say like, this is part of it. Yeah. You know, which I think is cool. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Like, um, I like that, uh, the the idea of whether he's the one or not is 
fairly nebulous until you get the moment that he comes back to life. Right. Um, ultimately, he's just trying to survive, and and which uh, you know mirrors the 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 Christ allegory, where you know Christ didn't know if he was Christ until um, and he was just doing what was ex- not he was just doing what was expected of him because that sounds <laughs> demeaning no, but, but the, what he believed was right right he was doing that because he's like whether this payout happens or not this is what i think is the right thing to do exactly yeah which is also what neo ends up doing yeah i'm not a religious man i'd like to clarify <laughs> i still do like those tie-ins though yes yeah I think it's um, really neat. but also like and that in and of itself that idea of like the oracle um tell it like basically telling him that it is somewhat of a self-fulfilling prophecy is 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 foreshadowed with the idea of the vase. Mm. Where he's like, if I hadn't told you that you were going to break it, would you have broken it? Right. Um, See, like, I, if I was the Oracle, I would just be fucking with people all <laughs> the time. <laughs> Hell yeah. I would just be like, on their way, I'd be like, you know, don't worry about your house. It'll- <laughs> You could <laughs> not leave without thinking about your house. <laughs> At least one of your children will be fine. Whoa, <laughs> no. And that's, yeah. I mean, but also you have to realize <laughs> that the the Oracle's whole deal um, is that like all those kids are kind of, they're like if you think about it, they're all kind of training to be the one. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, um, yeah. So like you... Neil's not special. No. He's not special at all. Like, these kids are so much more advanced than he is, uh, but someone sees something in him, and so he has to live up to those expectations. Right. Um, so, and what? He, and he gets, he just sort of lucks into the job, man. Like, all these people are more qualified for this position than he is. And he <laughs> oh, just, yeah. They just boost him, and he fa- he fails upward is what happens. But that, I mean, every okay. mediocre white man, you know what I'm saying? Hey! <laughs> And that actually, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I just, I, I wasn't going to take it all the way there. I trusted that you would, you would take it by the hand. <laughs> and leave it the way. Yeah. This, this whole podcast is just a relay race of jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I took that baton. It's a, for all those listeners out there, it is a beautiful thing to watch in person. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, but actually going off. Okay. I know I said I wasn't going to mention the other movies. No, I've but already mentioned them like at least three times. Yeah. Now there's one thing I am going to say though, is that in the second and third movies that are questionably real, it is because watching the first movie, you're like, okay, there's this prophecy. Everyone's looking for him. This is a big deal that this happened. Then you find out it's not. Morpheus <laughs> like did his own thing. He's the, re- not to say that all religion makes you a nut job. He is a religious nut job. Yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. He is the religious nut job where people are like, Morpheus, please stop doing that. And so many people in Zion are like, half of them are like, he's just a guy, which is sort of true. Mm-hmm. And the other half are like, no, he's chosen, which is also sort of true. And right. I like that idea that going into it from an audience member's perspective, you, you, you are introduced to a world then you find out that world is fake. And then in that real world, you find out that that idea in that fake world is also kind of fake. Right. And it's like such a weird roller coaster. We're like, wait, so wait, but he is the one though, right? And it's like, well, do you believe me? Because <laughs> if you do, he is. Right. Well, and then they also introduce this idea in uh, the second or third one where like, not only is he not special in this version of events, but also this is one of many versions of events. Right. Like, not, the, oh. one, the one is even more of a bullshit concept because there's potentially an infinite number of ones. Yes. 
And that I love that idea, even though it is bullshit. I think it is bullshit. But I love the idea that machines are like, we did this to give people hope so that like, because people need that to survive. Right. And I'm like, fuck, man. Yeah, dude. But also, <laughs> fuck you guys. That old movie. It was like. <laughs> well, yeah, because it, it, because then it, it like raises this question because the, uh, for those who haven't seen the, uh, potentially existing third, second or third films. The fanfics. Um, Written they, after. <laughs> <laughs> they, the, the, the idea is that uh, the one in the previous five versions um, have been given an ultimatum and they can take like six people or some number of people from Zion, start a new Zion afterwards. So essentially the creator of every Zion knows that it's fake and has to continue on this resistance as if it is real. Right. Um, and so it really gets weird, this idea that everyone's like, yo, Morpheus, the one is bullshit. You're stupid. And then there's a guy, like a really old guy in the background being like, yeah, totally. So dumb. <laughs> you're you're so stupid. The one's not a thing. <laughs> keep going, though. Yeah, you got you to do, do it. But that being said... Going back to whether Neo is special or not, he is, though, because he is the first one to break that chain. Right. Mm. So in that way, he is. But but again, this ties in this idea of like what can make a person special. It's their actions. It's not who they're born to be, which I think is a neat theme that despite the questionable existence of these two movies, they carry on Mm -hmm. through the entire trilogy. Right. Which is neat. Going back to the first one. Um so in that regard of storytelling and what makes someone special and what doesn't, yeah. Um, one of the reasons I brought this to you guys is not for the just for the obvious reasons, but like I said earlier, it's narrative. It, the way it presents exposition and the way it uh, has non-superfluous action is something that from someone who makes a lot of... I do comic books. From someone who writes a lot of stories that have action, that have comedy in them, yeah. I always reference The Matrix in what I'm writing and say, so... I like the idea of this character fighting three people on a bus. Does it matter? Right. (laughs) And if it really does, great. If not, can I narratively find a way that this matters that I can then amplify so the audience understands it's important? Or do I need to scrap this shit? Because it's cool, but just having something be cool does not make it good. Yeah. As much as I wish it did. Right. right. Game of Thrones writers. Oh. I'm in a takedown mood you today. You really are. They're going to take dang. all of that Netflix money they just got and buy a hit <laughs> squad to come after you personally. Good. I hope it <laughs> bankrupts and then stops their next project. Oh, um, gosh. But no, um, our, our mutual friend, Andrew Minna, who's also mm-hmm. been on the show before, mm-hmm. um, he often will talk about uh, the Jackie Chan ideal of um, fights in that, like, there's always uh, a stake, there's always stakes and there's always an obstacle that makes the fight interesting. And that's where the comedy comes from, is that, like, it's not just two people punching each other. It's, like, one person trying to protect this vase and everyone's fighting this person around this vase and the comedy comes in that, like, this guy is fighting at half of his capacity and you have to see him struggle. So the the, the uh, character building piece is that his, he cares more about this artifact than his own well-being. Right. And that builds the character as opposed to just being like, look at him do flips. 
Oh boy. <laughs> Which I, I do feel like they lost sight of a little bit with the second two movies. Oh, like yeah. the, what are they called? The the Burly Brawl where he's fighting the hundred Agent Smiths and stuff. Like that's a cool idea. Oh yeah. But we don't necessarily learn anything new about the characters or the story or the world while right. he's twirling around with that beam and stuff. Yeah, it does because it, you, you could almost even say like, oh, it's showing us that Agent Smith's really strong. But Neil still wamps her ass. Right. Right. And he just leaves because he's like, maybe it was a bad idea. Right, like, and that's the, at the end of the fight, they, he just leaves. Yeah, it's just like, oh, okay, we're we're done now. I got a bus. I gotta yeah. go. It's yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it's it because the movie is based on in in a, in a way the the idea of uh, like technical um, technical revolution uh, in that in in terms of. Uh, filmmaking like it's it's all about pushing the boundaries of what technology can do i imagine because at the time the idea of digital uh dummies standing in for people was a a new technology like you'll see it in other movies released around the same time like um uh, blade 2 also used digital figures in in their fights Mm -hmm. um this was such a new technology that i think that it they got really excited about utilizing it, which they're like, look how many people we can make. Look how much we can uh, dive into this really cool, stylized fight choreography using all these digital dummies. Bro, look at this new technology. Um, And so I think that that's why it got overshadowed. But like, I, I do still feel like that was effective in showing how deep because uh, now I feel like this is a good time to talk about Hugo Weaving um, mm. and his performance as Agent Smith. Mm. In that, like, we in the first one we did get that discussion about how he feels like humans are a virus, right? And then ultimately, you see that he himself has become said virus. Right. Um, there are lots of if you go on the internet, which exists. Um, Never. <laughs> there are lots of theories that he himself is the one. Um, right, yeah, yeah, which are cool to get into because everything that agent or everything that Neo does that makes him the one Agent Smith ends up doing too. Right, right. fucking DBZ fights in the air and shit. Yeah, and it ain't <laughs> no other characters in the Matrix mythos fucking bouncing off each other in the sky. Oh, like, that's no. true. And you know I fucking ate that shit up. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, and though I wish they would have gone with the ending that they did in the game where oh, all the Smiths come together and make a make giant a big Smith. Machine. What the yeah. fuck? Oh, yeah. yeah. So they had a, if, if I may. No, yes, you may. So there is a video game called The Path of Neo. Yes, that came I've, out. I've heard of the game. Yeah. So I, of course, played it. And uh, at the very end, it was fairly faithful to the movie series. There were some areas where they did something a little different. Like there's a, a, a an optional path you can take in the beginning where... Neo makes it out of his office building and does not get kidnapped by the agents. Okay. But uh, you find out at the very end when Neo and Smith are about to face off, like the game pauses and the Wachowskis show up and they're just like, yeah, so this is just way cooler. And we really (laughs) want to do this. And it's a game. So like we thought if you had to do exactly what happened in the movie, you'd be like, so we're going to make it way more entertaining. Which they really did. Uh, yeah. So, so, so they stupid. literally just all merge together and mm-hmm. make it. So he's literally a giant Agent Smith. Almost. Yep. Doesn't he look like a machine still? Like he looks like a like a shittily built Transformer. 
Kind of, like yeah. Like a yeah. huge one. Right. And you fight him as Neo. If that shit was in Revolutions, nobody would say a bad word about the Matrix sequels. <laughs> no. And, and that's why I wish they did it. Because yeah. I'm like, they're already there. Well, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the original ending is more faithful to the the philosophical thematic. Blah, 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 blah. Blah. <laughs> I'm not about that. Nah, fuck that. Um, <laughs> give, yeah. me, give me giant Agent Smith. Um, but no, like um, Hugo Weaving is acting the shit out of this role. Oh, yeah. Um, Not in a bad way. No, no, no. He, yeah. He, um, he, like, he gets the character. Mm-hmm. And I think he's one of the most iconic uh, pieces. Like, I think this is why they brought him back in the sequels is because of how iconic his, his performance is and how menacing he's able to be in just, you know, his suit and, and glasses. Yeah. Um, and how specific and because... And they talk about the trajectory of of Neo and Agent Smith and how as Neo becomes more confident in himself, he starts to lose, at least in the Matrix, he starts to lose the um, erratic humanness to him. Whereas like as Agent Smith goes forward in the Matrix, um, he becomes more erratic and human. Yeah. And their paths kind of... Uh, are inverse. Mm-hmm. And I love how nuanced that is played as, right. as uh, agent Smith gets more frustrated and more determined. Like he starts breaking down and there's that moment when he is talking to Morpheus and he like takes off his glasses. He takes out his earpiece mm-hmm. and he's like, I hate the smell. And then he like there, I, I assume this was improv where he, wipes the sweat off of Lawrence Fishburne's head and shoves it into his nose. Yeah. Oh, so, oh my. So fucking it's unpleasant. It's so good. <laughs> but it's, it's great. Like it, it, it shows the like high caliber acting that he brought to that role. Right. And then actually, cause I wanted to bounce off of that. Cause I was going to mention that very scene next. Yeah. One of my favorite parts about, which is weird to say, honestly, the whole movie is, after, like right as that scene's ending and you know that Neo's walking into the lobby and the other the other agents come in and they're just like what the what the fuck are you doing dude he's got his <laughs> earpiece out they're yeah. just like we were calling you man like what happened yeah. and it's such a clear indication of like there's something really wrong going on with Smith in terms of how we're, we've been registering the machines this whole point right yeah and it's just so yeah his his acting was so good at that point i was just like fuck like he's actually mad yeah right which you wouldn't expect the agents to feel any of that right Mm -hmm. it's it's scary especially because he's been so ice cold composed the entire time right um he's got also hugo weaving has my favorite tiny bit of business in the entire film (laughs) which is when they first pick up Neo and they've got him in the interrogation room. Smith comes in and he's got this file folder and it's, it's so it's the, the subtle delicacy and how subtle the sound design is of him undoing the string on the file folder and opening it up. I swear to God, like I've never been an ASMR person, but I'm pretty sure the closest I have come in my life to having what ASMR people get from that experience is the delicacy with which Hugo Weaving undoes that string and opens the fucking folder. And you feel it. Yeah. And then he flips through and you hear the page turn. Even the way that Hugo Weaving describes the thing that Neo does. I, <laughs> he speaks with this cool, calm 
condescending disdain when he's like, you help your landlady take out her garbage. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, but that's a good thing. <laughs> um, and I think that like he, he definitely plays off of Keanu Reeves, who like he's, I don't know if you guys have watched any of the behind the scenes stuff, but he's the most adorable person in the, because oh, yeah. he's, he's so excited about the, all the things he gets to learn and, and how like deep and rich the character is. Mm. Um, because I think, I think up to this point, he hadn't been able to play uh, very many layered characters. Everyone just kind of saw him as like, Bill or Ted, whichever he's, one he's is Ted. Okay, yes. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie, so I, I was like, I'm guessing I've had a 50 50 chance, and it was wrong. Um, but, but yeah, like people would associate him chiefly with parts like that, or uh, like, uh, uh, what is his name? Johnny Utah. In Point oh, yeah, Break. yeah, yeah. Right. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Ooh. <laughs> so, like, this gave him a chance to really sink into it. And, and they, so, like, everyone on set, um, or like all the main actors, had to do like months and months of, of martial arts training. And, and if you know Keanu Reeves, you know that he is a giant fucking martial arts nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, so watching him learn these techniques and watching him interact with the directors being like, oh, no, I think my like pinky was off in that section. So like, can we redo it? Like he's so specific and it really shows the like care and dedication that he brought. And so like the two of them together really like giving their all to the role is what I really think uh, sold this movie. I think a lot of people like it could have just as easily been a uh, like just a generic sci-fi movie from the late nineties. Right. Um, but everyone really brought their passion and a game. And like, even the way that they got the fight choreographer involved was they, they heard uh, or like they kind of sneakily got his phone number and they called him and he's like, I'm busy. <laughs> and then they called him again and we're like, yo, just like read this shit. And then he's like, I have to be a part of it. I'm going to make this movie. <laughs> Um, so like that dedication and that, that like belief in the the things that you're doing really like comes through. And I think that like, it wouldn't be as iconic if it wasn't that. Right. And I mean, you know, Lawrence Fishburne does a great job. I think, uh, uh, Carrie Ann Moss does a good job too, but really Keanu Reeves and Hugo Weaving are just so, and obviously Keanu Reeves acting overall can be arguably understated. I still liked his performance in The Matrix. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. It, it's a character that feels perfectly suited to yes. what he that and like, uh, of course, more recently John Wick feels like another oh character God. that is perfectly suited to his his energy, his vibe. And you talk about his obsession with getting all of the martial arts moves right. You look at uh, you can find it very easily online. You look at uh, like rehearsal footage of the shooting sequences for John Wick, and you fucking realize like, thank God he's apparently one of the nicest, kindest people in Hollywood because this dude could kill you really easily. Oh yeah, <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. I so believe that. Um, um, but you brought up uh, Lawrence Fishburne. I think like he also this was also another role for him to kind of break out of his usual style. Like I think people had been really kind of uh, casting him as like streetwise this or police officer, streetwise police officer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget officer streetwise. Officer streetwise. (laughs) He's like "Mm, streetwise is my father. <laughs> Call me officer. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that he also had been very um, like pigeonholed up until this point, and this gave him a chance to be 
um, something different and really dive into a world that he hadn't experienced. And, and the way that he was able to give all of, cause he, he had pages and pages and pages of exposition to give. And he found a way to keep you engaged and keep you really uh, like almost jump on board with his, as you find out fanaticism um, at, to the point where you're like, yeah, no, this is imperative. Like he, his dedication is my dedication. Right. The one I, is yeah. important. I don't even mind that he's wearing sunglasses indoors. <laughs> <laughs> or that his sunglasses don't have fucking... Wait, wait. Like, I had oh, a what? pair of those. What? So how... I fucking had a pair of those. They, they pinch in on your bridge. Okay. Yeah. So you, you, you literally just like... Beep, and the metal frame is designed just enough so you, you literally like bend it in. Right. And they stay there. Wow. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which it looks like bullshit. Right. Yeah. Like 100%. <laughs> And it wasn't until I got a pair because I was so obsessed that I was like, it's not bullshit. Right. And I felt really <laughs> it's dumb. It's all real. I'm in the main. Um, yeah. And that actually, uh, one of my favorite scenes too, which I think really does a good job illustrating how well the exposition was in fight scenes, deals with Morpheus and Neo when they're doing the training mm-hmm. segment. Oh, yeah. the and that's so, that's so iconic. Yeah. But what I love about that is that it, it tells you so many fucking things and it's cool mm-hmm. and it's almost a little discouraging too to being in the world because at the end of that, Neo is essentially like, I'm not good enough. Mm. But I love that they they enter that and the whole fight scene, Morpheus is just fucking with them. Right. You, you can even tell he's toying with them. Like Neo's starting to sweat, he's breathing hard and Morpheus even says like, do you think that's air you're breathing? Right. Like, dude... It's you're a coder. This shit is so fake. <laughs> and he's like doing backflips over him and shit like that. And yeah. when you see um, Mouse running into everyone else and they're just like, Morpheus is fighting Neo. First off, Morpheus is the big badass that we've all heard about. Neo's heard about him. Right. So that's not only impactful to Neo, but that's important to us. Like, oh my, like, oh shit. And then they dive. Well, I think... Uh, um. Switch like jumps over the table and like almost knocks over her food, and they just like run out of the hall. People who have shown the utmost composure, right? And they they run in like kids, like, Where is it? And then you see them fight, and you think everything's going well, and then Neo gets flattened. But like that last part, too, when you you see Neo click, and he's like, Oh, yeah, like just do it, it's not even thinking, it. I'm just doing it, and his hand moves. And they use that effect the only time in this movie to show us how fast he's going. Mm -hmm. That Morpheus does almost a single take, double take, almost getting hit. And he's like, what the fuck? Like, there we go. And and so that shows us Morpheus is the badass Mm -hmm. that everyone respects. Neo almost takes him down, learns about himself, learns about the world, understands theoretically how the rules are supposed to go. And it also shows how fast Neo can learn. And mm. it's like, but you're also just watching Cool Company. Yes. Right. And I also like uh, kind of piggybacking off of that. I, I really enjoy that the way that Morpheus is enlightening him isn't to be like, that's not air. You, you got to just free your mind. It's he's asking the questions so that Neo can really like yeah. reprogram the way he thinks about everything in this world. Like you can't just tell someone to like change. You have to give them the, the the tools in order to rethink their position on something. Right. Which I think is a really well done piece. Yeah. yeah. And and Morpheus and or Lawrence Fishburne's Morpheus wasn't acting. Lawrence Fishburne was acting as Morpheus. And his <laughs> acting and Keanu Reeves was so perfect for that. 
it's just yeah yeah um also i just I, you mentioned the backflip scene <laughs> which is one of my favorite it like it felt like a um kind of an f you to other like martial arts scenes in that like everyone's doing if you if you look at the two's style um morpheus is so reserved in his movement he doesn't waste a single move whereas mm. uh keanu is doing a lot of flourish and he's doing a lot of like there's that point where he does the backflip and then he Lawrence fishburne literally turns around and is like <laughs> okay cool kick time <laughs> like jabs him in the chest because it's it's unnecessary yeah. and and that really like uh, also just digging into your own points it is another way of showing these people's character um without using words right mm. Uh, speaking of characters, I feel like uh, we haven't even mentioned Cypher yet. Oh, my God. I feel like that's worth a little bit of discussion. Yeah. Oh, oh you yeah. mean 100%. Judas? Oh. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, 100%. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wasn't being facetious. <laughs> I was just adding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know if you want to take that away, Lex, but... Oh, I'm I'm handing it to you, man. Oh, well, well then, clears table. Because he... It, it's It's... Interesting enough, this whole concept, it's understandable enough that we all, as audience members, want people to get out of the Matrix because we, even without necessarily being told, we understand that's a bad thing. I'm doing air quotes. Right. Yeah. And I love that in the first movie, they introduced the, the, the fact that like, is it bad though? That scene when Cypher's talking with Smith and he's like, I forgot what steak tasted like. But what's fucked up is that this might not even be what steak tastes like. Right. Mm-hmm. They talk about that when they're eating the, yeah. the goop on the ship. Yeah. And and to bring that back and be like, fuck, this is so good. I don't even care that it's fake. Right. And thinking about it, a lot of people presented with that idea, they might be like, well, I mean, I'm living my life. I'm making choices in this system. So technically I'm free so it doesn't really matter and that blew my mind even the first time watching where I'm like okay fair though because like I would want spaghetti and like (laughs) I can't get that in the real world I wouldn't kill my friends but like I can it to me it's a believable reason to betray and Cypher gets a little creepy about it but also, to be fair, he did say, hey, wipe my memories. Right. Like, he right. explicitly states, I don't want to have any memory. Of, and you you can infer of betraying the people that I've been closest to forever, but also that this other world, the real world, even exists. Oh, right. yeah. Because that, that knowledge is damning. Right. And to, to just to, to have that, as he says, ignorance is bliss, is so great if you're given what the reality actually is, how fruitless and hopeless it seems mm-hmm. it's it's understandable and yet you still are just like fuck you man don't do that <laughs> i mean and it like on a on a meta level it is it is very hard to be woke guys hey. it's very yeah. hard to be woke no like ha- having it having the a knowledge that like things need to change and then either seeing them not change or having to like get up every morning and like fight for it is exhausting. So like you could understand that like who knows how long Cypher has been in there. Maybe they mention it. Maybe I don't remember. Uh, maybe I could look it up on a wiki. None of these things are important. Because um, <laughs> I did none of them. Yes. But I don't know either. <laughs> however long he's been in there, like you could imagine that he wakes up every morning being like, all right, what's today's fight? 
and maybe he just wants to be able to go to bed and wake up with a, a sense of breeziness. Like he yeah. does, he wants to be able to just live a normal life. You can you can understand someone wanting that, yeah. Um, especially if they don't have to remember what they're missing out on. It's it's akin to working a job that you hate to try to get somewhere in a place in your life where you you're enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Right. But understanding that that place probably will not actually happen in your lifeline to imagine I'm saying this coming from having just stopped working in a coffee shop <laughs> for a long time. The idea that I would have to work there my entire life. Mm-hmm. So my kids might be okay is extremely disheartening. Yeah. And the only reason I was able to get through it, which again, that wasn't the worst place I've ever worked, but like, part of what got me through it is I'm like, I'm working towards something better. I know it will happen for a fact. I can survive as long as I know I have this certainty. Right. And it, 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 it makes it harder for me because part of me feels pity for him. Cause it's like, yeah, he has no guarantee that he has no weekends. He has no nothing. He wakes up every day is that shit all the time. No guarantee. Yeah. And, and then to find out later that this shit's been going on for so long, the machines have been orchestrating it. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised more people haven't been fucking everyone over. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and you could imagine they may have been. I mean, and and it is also I assume because you br- you bring it up the idea that like it's this fight that maybe your children will have to take on or so that they can have a better life. I imagine that's also why like people abandon their families. Like people will just go out for cigarettes one day and they're like, I'm never coming back because it's a lot of responsibility. And if you're not ready for it, and if it's not what you want, then like maybe the alternative is easier yeah. being like, I don't have a family. <laughs> this is, by the way, this is not an endorsement no, for yeah. you to leave your kids. Maybe it is better. You're still a dick. No, yeah. I'm not. I'm not condoning it. Stop being I'm just... such a sympathist. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, I have empathy. All right. And it requires me to see through other people's eyes. Right. Oh, and okay. I'm just trying to <laughs> rationalize the, the behavior. Behavior. Not condone, just <laughs> rationalize. <laughs> Leave me alone, guys. There's gonna be. There's I don't gonna have be a family a, in, in There's New gonna York. be a swath of like derelict <laughs> fathers being like Tari J on the Missing Out podcast gave me permission oh, to yeah. leave my family. And they, so many, so many fucking sad parents on the edge are like, that was it. That was it. <laughs> I want to taste steak too. <laughs> Don't do that. Oh. No Guys, one it didn't, do that. It didn't end well for Cypher. So like, yeah. right. you know, he got smoked. Yeah. Literally. So guys, it's fine. Guys, don't, <laughs> Don't don't do don't, it. don't do it. Don't do it. You don't, and if, if you do, don't say I told you to do it. <laughs> what do you? Also, if you're my family uh, that I abandoned, stop listening. Please, yeah. My name's not Tari Miller. <laughs> What do you, this never occurred to me before this moment, but yeah. So, so most of the crew perish in yeah. this movie. Yes. What do they do with the bodies? Do they just chuck them out the back? I think they actually do. Yeah. Like, what do you, what do you? Because it's not. It's uh, presumably not safe to touch down anywhere but Zion, because mm. then the Sentinels will swarm you and stuff. Um. So what? Like, 
or maybe they take them back to Zion eventually. Like they put them in a uh, cooler in the back or something. Right. So they can do a proper burial because the alternative is they just chuck them out the back. Yeah. No, I assume <laughs> that they take them back to Zion. Right. Oh, I guess Because they... they have families, bro. <laughs> Cypher, they just chucked out the back. Oh, yeah. They, they toss his body out the back. <laughs> fuck this guy. Fucking, uh, what is it? Dozer spit on him or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm Man, sorry. In my mind, the the you get a you get a scene where the Sentinels are reporting back to the giant uh, floaty baby face, and it's like uh, we found we found Cipher's body. It smells like pee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> fucking Agent Smith wipes some of it, shoves it in someone's nose. Yeah, <laughs> smells like piss. <laughs> <laughs> If you come away with nothing else from this podcast, it's that we know that Cypher was peed on and shoved out the back. He had a little dunce hat on. Yeah. They just went the full distance on like, fuck that guy. Oh, We're geez. never going to shave his eyebrows off. <laughs> Take pictures. Oh, God. That, that, and this is just something that bothers me in the other two movies. Why is it that every other crew is as small as their reduced crew? Have you noticed that? Every other crew is like three, four people strong, but yeah. that initial crew is like eight. Yeah. Maybe after they got back, they were like, you know what? I think less people on a ship will, is keep, will keep, yeah, it'll keep morale up. It'll have less people to murder you, everyone in their sleep. <laughs> like it, we just small crews, baby, you know, less people to annoy maybe. you. Yeah. Maybe. Um, if they were a smaller crew, maybe Cypher would have never uh, betrayed them. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I sure. guess so, yeah. That's, or there that's would be no theory. cipher. All right, uh, guys. Hey, come here. Come here. Come here. Yeah. Lean in. Come lean sit in. down. Come here. Come here. Get hey, close. Hey, get close. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm patting your head now. Smaller crews lead to less murder. <laughs> All right. Okay. You can, you can go now. So I don't okay. hang out with more than three friends at a time. <laughs> Statistically, any more, one of them will try we'll and murder you. the others. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, guys. Um, we got to start wrapping this up. Any final thoughts before we head out? I will say mm-hmm. yes. the music is great. Oh, yeah. I had a whole speech about that. I'm not going to do it. No, Second, do it. We get a sweet dance remix of Dragula by fuck yes. fucking Rob Zombie. It's so good. That that music is one of those things that where everything in that fit the tone so well. Mm-hmm. Second, that movie, and I think, Lex, you said earlier, holds up so fucking well. Yeah. Because even if it weren't just the machines in the Matrix, the, the the this could have taken place anywhere because it's even stated that this iteration of the Matrix was built, Morpheus says it, like, we only think it's 1999. Mm. It could be whenever, and the machines say in the later movie, like, oh, we built it just around that time because, like, it was fun. Right, right. It could be whenever. And if you replace the cell phones, that movie could be made today. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. No, it's true. Yeah. Um, I hear that... Uh, or I feel like I read a while ago that there was going to be like a spinoff something or other. They've like, been talking about doing some other Matrix related movie for oh. I think over a year. Yeah, oh, okay. I don't know how close something like that is to actually happening, but as far as I know, they're talking about it. The Wachowskis are on board to be involved in some capacity. I don't know if they're actually going to be writing and directing themselves, but yeah. this is something that's been kicked around for a little bit. I mean, the whole series has about like. 600 pages of lore like i would if they were just like we're gonna make a we're gonna make a book we're gonna make a graphic novel or a book um i would i would consume it so fast so fast um so before we go 
if you could uh, pitch your perfect version of whatever comes next, what would it be? That's oh. daunting. All right. I'll tell you what mine is while you <laughs> All think. Right. All right. Yeah. Just so while you think. Um, I would love it to be one of the middle versions of the one where it takes place all in Zion um, and it's them rebuilding society um, after like let's say the third one where they're like all right well you know we got to just rebuild we 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 they destroyed Zion um, so everyone is uh, kind of with the knowledge uh, that that one it has essentially screwed everyone else over seeing them try to build that society I think that would be dope mm. spectacular all right, so what I want to see is at the end of the first one, it'll be one of those long gap sequels where like like they just did a new Halloween that ignores every Halloween but the first one. Right. So I want it to be like <laughs> that, first of all, but mostly just because I want to pick up from the end of the first movie where Neo's flying off to essentially go and wake up as many people as possible. But now what I want to see is the Matrix crossing over with other film franchises like i want this dude to fly away and fuck is like i have to wake up hobbs and shaw because only they can help us defeat the machines and shit like that is what i want i want him to like uh uh no even better holy (laughs) shit i mean yeah wake up hobbs and shaw no he's like fuck like we need we need uh, yeah we need guns lots of guns but we need people who can wield that shit in a, a high efficiency manner i'm gonna go wake up myself from an alternate reality I'm going to wake up fucking John Wick and shit. Oh, my God. And Neo and John Wick are going to be riding horses through the streets (laughs) with their automatic weapons, blasting fucking agents left and right and shit, high-fiving. That's the movie we deserve, frankly. I am am 100% drawing that, and I would love to see Atrophy Dwayne Johnson... So much. <laughs> right. Like they wake up like especially when it's like it's like a response to that piece that just came out about uh the actors, the male movie stars who have it like as part of their contract, like they can't lose fights or we keep track of who's punching who. It's like that piece comes out and now these actors are like, Well shit, we gotta now we gotta change our perception. We gotta respond to this so people don't think that we're that self obsessed. So what yeah. do we do? I'm gonna get scrawny for this movie wow. and I'm gonna let Keanu Reeves uh, as both Neo and John Wick win the fight while while they educate us on how to function in this world <laughs> that's that's crazy to me mm. i love that idea yeah. so so it's it's uh neo john wick hobbs and shaw right there we go saving saving existence from there the machines that is what i want to see next into it what about you um so i think i unfortunately have two they're quick to explain one because the architect explains in one of the later movies that they had tried different time periods Mm. I kind of want to try like the French Revolution. Ooh. And then there that's my favorite period of time. And then like one of the ones is during that time and to see that unfold just with all of the political unrest in general and then to on top of that throw in like also none of this shit matters. Right. Um and then just the idea of someone back in the the 18th century being like Wait, there's lasers? Like, that would be crazy. Mm-hmm. My second thing, though, is, um, and I think the architect also said this, there is an iteration of the Matrix where they're like, let's just make everything perfect because then people will be happy. And they were not happy at all. Right. Yeah. And to explore a civilization being so happy that they find that they crave misery yeah. would just be an interesting area to explore. Oh, yeah. I would see one of those two things. Here's, no, I would love it. Just because, like, you could explore... 
what it would be like to have someone die in a civilization that no one dies in. Right. I what I what I need though now as soon as you said French Revolution, I need somebody to do even if you're just doing a real quick outline. Uh, somebody create for me a version of Les Mis where the one is Jean Valjean and Smith is Javert. I feel like it's not going to be that difficult to bend (laughs) that story, right? Because the trajectories are not identical, but certainly like if you're comparing Javert to Smith, right? At first, he's like, he's he's, fucking Judge Dredd. He is the law, but he's super composed, put together. And the dude, through his encounters with Jean Valjean, he essentially begins to unravel eventually. Um, I feel like, yeah, like I feel like it's there. Is somebody do, I'm not going to do this, but somebody do this. (laughs) Someone do this, please. All right, I'm into it. Um, okay, guys. So uh, that brings it into our discussion about the Matrix. Connor, thank you for joining us. This oh, has been super fun, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, this is awesome. I feel like a movie star. <laughs> You're a movie star to us. Yay. Where can people find you if they want to keep up with you? They can find me at Token Studios with two Ks, T O K K E N Studios at Instagram or Twitter. I guess I should clarify: it's not too hard to find me, but my icon is a gold coin, right? That it's I a token. Drew. It's a token. Yeah. Yeah. So keep that in mind. All right. Um, oh, oh, and Ride or Dice podcast. The other podcast I do with Tari J. Miller. Heck yeah. And I play Scritch the Cat. It's a fun time. Yeah. Tari plays Henta. Also a fun time. Oh, yeah. It's just a fun time. So check it out if you all got the time. Nice. Do you have any uh, anything you want to plug? Any upcoming projects? Anything that you're working on? Um, This is going to be a bold fucking move, but I'm there. Uh, I have a comic coming out. At some point, hopefully either late 2019 or early 2020. Okay. Called Spellslinger. It is a D&D Western themed comic. Nice. The story of a woman who became a warlock against her will and she is seeking vengeance. Ooh. Yeah. Fun stuff. All right. I'm in the bag for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, and Lex, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael. Awesome. You can find me at Tari J, T-E-R-I-J-A-Y. But most importantly, you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Missing Outcast. That's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Um, and FYI, for all you people listening out there, um, uh, starting this week, we are going to be going on a short hiatus. Um, we've been doing this for so long. We just had our 100th episode last Congrats. week. Uh, thank you. I meant to say that, too. Um, <laughs> you're our, our first triple digit uh, guest so welcome hooray <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> um so we are we're taking a short break we'll be back uh, mid-september uh but don't worry there will still be content um we'll be releasing missing out mondays now through uh i believe it, it's uh september 17th so keep an eye on your feeds for them sweet sweet missing out mondays so you can get your regular recommendations from us uh, we hope that you guys are enjoying back to school if you're in school um, or if you're working. We hope you're enjoying this podcast while you're in your elongated commute because people are back in school. Um, but we will be back after Labor Day. Yeah, okay. We'll see you All soon. Right. All right. <laughs> That's fine. Six sure. out of ten. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, so we'll talk to you soon. Uh, thank you guys again for joining us. Thank you, Connor, for joining us. Um, and we will talk to you soon. Until then, this has been the retrospective that's introspective. And now you have a new perspective. Don't murder your friends. And don't leave your family. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)